0: welcome to the law i soccer podcast my name is jason commit and my co-host is scott strasser hi scott
1: hey jason it's a lot drier here in calgary than it is in kingston jamaica so uh good good time to record the podcast how are you doing
0: well i'm i'm pretty good i noticed that uh as well like we're recording on friday evening and i saw that torrential downpour going on there that was uh that's quite something so uh, i guess the national team's game it's Tomorrow morning now?
1: Definitely delayed due to uh, a monsoon or a, a what is it? A cyclone or a hurricane going on in <laughs> Jamaica? Yeah, you can't really play in that kind of conditions.
0: Yeah, it looked it looked pretty crazy. So we we don't have that, those conditions, but we had a, kind of a nice enough day here. But uh, hey, let's let's talk a little soccer. We're kind of getting getting near the end of the season, I think, here for most everybody. So if you are a new listener to our podcast, uh, Scott, what is the YYC Soccer Podcast all about? We discuss soccer
1: in Calgary and we talk about the sport at the amateur collegiate and professional levels. We talk about the teams and we often interview the players and coaches from the city's soccer community. We talk about teams and players from the grassroots and amateur leagues all the way up to the university and professional level.
0: In this episode, we're going to talk about two of the post-secondary teams in Calgary that were at nationals, um, Mount Royal Men's and the State Women's. We'll also talk about the Calgary connections to the NCAA tournament and also talk about how some Calgary based players are doing in Europe. Also discuss a little bit about Willie Akio and uh, he's back playing again this weekend. We'll talk about who he's playing for and how that all uh, is going to shake. Out.
1: Yeah. He's uh, he's got a call up to the South Sudanese national team, which he, he has played for before, but uh, it's exciting to see uh, them call him up again for, uh, for the international window. Uh, and yeah, lots of post-secondary soccer chat. Once again, we've been focusing on that a lot in recent weeks. The season is officially over for Canadian university and college soccer now. We just had national championship tournaments last week and two Calgary teams in, in action, like you mentioned. I think that's pretty rare. I was trying to think of the last year where uh, there were two separate post-secondary teams from Calgary at at respective national tournaments. I,
0: could... I would agree. I don't know exactly when, it, when that happened. I... It's not something that happens all the time. So let's uh, dive into it. Unfortunately, um, there was no silverware brought uh, home by either team. But let's talk about Mount Royal men's to start with. They were in Sydney, Nova Scotia for the U Sports Men's Tournament. And they were seeded first, as I believe Ryan Jackie mentioned on the previous episode. They started off with uh, their first match against York on Thursday evening. And and they won that one one 1-0. Miguel de Rocha scored right at the end of the, of the regular time in the 88th minute. Then after that, it went on to the semifinal match, which was against uh, Cape Breton. They played that match and they lost 1-0, and uh, the Cape Breton goal was scored by Owen Shepard, who is not a Calgarian, but he, he did play for Foothills in League One Alberta uh, this past summer. Then they got shuffled off to the bronze uh, medal match, and they played their uh, nemesis, UBC, and UBC extracted a little bit of revenge for losing the Canada West final and and, uh, they got the bronze medal. They won uh, 1 0.
1: Yeah. And then in the other, uh, in the gold medal game, Cape Breton, who was the host team, they won uh, the national championship. I believe they were playing University of Montreal, if I'm Mm -hmm. looking correctly. Yeah. And, And they have some Calgary connections too on Cape Breton. Um, obviously, Owen Shepard, like you mentioned, with uh, with his connections to the League One Alberta last summer. And then Max Peepgrass, who's was a former Cavalry esports draft pick. And uh, Calgary did quite well in terms of individual performances. Uh, Caden Rogozinski from the Mount Royal Cougars was uh, one of the tournament all-stars, as well as Marcus Kaiser, who plays for UBC. And then the two aforementioned Max Petegrass and Owen Shepard. Yeah, I mean, from a Mount Royal perspective, it's tough when your semifinal opponent is the host team, uh, but they actually, I read the game story and, and Mount Royal did appear to have a really good handle on that game. They outshot Cape Breton 16 to four, but the Capers managed to score in the 72nd minute. It was Owen Shepard's third goal of the tournament. And yeah, they unfortunately suffered another one nothing loss in the bronze against UBC. As you mentioned, it was a rematch of the Canada West final. Uh, so unfortunately for, for the Cougars, they were kept off the podium, but this was their very first time competing at nationals. So to win a game, I think, was a, a really good showing and, and finishing fourth. That's nothing to sneeze at. And actually, I, I'd like to mention as well that the two MVPs of the bronze game were both Calgarians, Marcus Kaiser for UBC, and then uh, the goalkeeper Aiden Demulen
0: for MRU. I think that there will be some level of disappointment that they didn't perform a little bit better in the nationals. But I think when a little bit of time passes, I think. Uh, Everyone's going to agree this was a pretty great season overall for Mount Royal, and I don't think he can be too disappointed. I think uh, they accomplished a lot of what they wanted to accomplish, and, and winning Canada West is you know, it's a pretty fantastic accomplishment. And they didn't exactly get blown out of nationals either, so they they had a pretty respectable showing. So, job well done overall. Yeah,
1: I, I thought it was interesting and and kind of humorous in the in the game recap. It mentioned that Cape Breton beating MRU was was a big upset because MRU was ranked. First, heading into the national tournament. But yeah, like you said, overall a fantastic uh, season for MRU. Winning their first ever Canada West Championship was a huge highlight. And then getting to compete at nationals was just great, really.
0: U Sports Women's uh, National Tournament, it was in Kingston, hosted by Queens. There were no um Calgary teams, uh, the Dinos and the Cougars weren't involved. But uh, I did want to sort of mention a couple things here. Uh, I guess the most notable thing is. UBC did win uh, the women's championship. They beat uh, crosstown rivals, Trinity Western, one 0 And there are four Calgarians on UBC, Rachel Morgan, Aslan Phillips, who I think is actually from Cochrane, Josie Claypool and, and uh, Sydney Slater. So definitely uh, UBC, they're always a powerhouse. and yeah,
1: And is there also sorry to put you on the spot, are there some Calgary players on Trinity Western as well? I feel like you may have mentioned that
0: once. There done. are a couple. Olivia Kranjasek, I believe, is, is her name. She's from Okotoks. And Holland Steele, also from Okotoks. So they're both with Trinity Western. So, so let's move on to uh, the college uh, championships and, and the state women's uh, program. They, uh, they were out competing in PEI for uh, the nationals, and they played three matches. Their first match on Thursday, they played St. Fois and they lost 4-0. Their second match, uh, they played Douglas College. They also lost that one uh, 2-1. And then their third match, they played uh, University of Brandon, who plays at the college level for soccer. And they won that match 1-0. One win and two losses. And then they didn't proceed to the final day of the tournament. But uh, that's kind of where they ended up. So a little disappointing to have a record of 1-2 in nationals, but still... Uh, I think that uh, we don't know any of these teams, but there are some really strong teams in this uh, tournament nationally. So, you know, kudos for getting there.
1: Yeah. Uh, one of the teams, and actually they ended up winning the the Nationals, was Seneca College, the GTA, the Toronto area. And and we know uh, one player on that team who we've had on the podcast before is Shanice Alfred of Airdrie. Um, and she talked about how a lot of her Guyanese national team mates are our, our teammates of hers at Seneca so pretty strong Seneca squad but apart from that I I have to agree I didn't know anything about uh, saint Foy or Douglas College even which like cities these these teams are in but yeah they must have been pretty strong to uh to overcome State given the season that state had in Alberta
0: at the national awards um there were a couple of players with Calgary connections that were named all Canadians and that was uh Megan Weeb from SAIT and Shanice Alfred from Seneca College, uh, who we were just talking about a second ago. So both of them uh, were named All-Canadians for the CCA this year, and uh, good for them. And on the men's side, there were a couple members of SAIT that were named uh, All-Canadians, uh, Sine Halley and John Ingram. And also uh, men's coach of the year was uh, Sate's own uh, Connor Brady.
1: Yeah, I mean, SAIT had such a dominant regular season. Something happened at the uh, ACAC Championship Tournament, but up until then, their, their season had almost been perfect. So it's good to see that even though they uh, their season fizzled out in a disappointing manner, they, they were still recognized for how strong of a season they had.
0: Okay, let's go south of the border and talk about the NCAA Women's uh, Championship Tournament and the first round was completed last weekend, and the second round is underway right now, this weekend, as we're recording. And some of the second round matches have, act- have actually been completed already. So, we always like to talk about Memphis. They're the number six seed, and they have a lot of Calgary content. And in their first round match, they played LSU, and they beat LSU 2 uh, 1, and Maya Jones uh, from Calgary scored one of the goals. And then tonight, Friday evening, they played their second round matchup against uh, Notre Dame and Notre Dame was seeded third and they pulled off the victory. Um, It was a win three, two. So they're now essentially in the final 16 teams and they're going to play seventh ranked uh, Pittsburgh. So I think Pittsburgh, I believe Pittsburgh pulled off the upset and uh, won their, their second round match. So uh, Memphis is actually going into this next match as the, the higher seed. And I'm not exactly sure what day that match is, but I'm, I'm presuming it's later next week. So,
1: But I mean, that's so impressive that they were able to down Notre Dame. So the number, third, the, the number three seed in, in all of NCAA. Yeah,
0: it is impressive. I don't understand these ratings though, because out of those 64 teams that are in the tournament, there's essentially four sets of, of seats. And Memphis was six-seeded in their group. So that means that there were five ahead of them in in their own. But there was also, in the other three brackets, there was also a bunch of teams rated higher than them. And at the end of the year, weren't they ranked number eight or number nine nationally? So I don't really understand the whole seeding process and how that works relative to the national rankings. But the impression I get is this is a huge win versus Notre Dame. So good for them. Great for them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think they... Probably have a legitimate chance now of contesting for the NCAA championship. I mean, aren't they on like a crazy win streak at the moment?
0: Oh yeah, I'm not even sure what it is. Is it 17 or 18 wins in a row? And and now they're going to face Pittsburgh. And I believe if they win this match, then that would put them you know, into the Elite Eight. And chances are that will run them into the number one seed on the uh, that they would play. That's Florida State, and I think they've pretty much been ranked number one nationally for most of the years. So will continue to watch with interest
1: and then i know you've also been following closely uh university of Maine, who are making their first ncaa tournament appearance
0: Mm -hmm. and they played last weekend against number four harvard and they lost three 0 from what i was reading on the social media and their website uh they don't sound too disappointed they sound very happy that they made the tournament and uh, i think that was mission accomplished and and uh, harvard was a fair bit better than them, I think, by most measures. So I don't think, uh, if you're looking at it from a university mean uh, point of view, I think they're pretty happy with how how the season uh, played out, but uh, their tournament is done. And then the other uh, person who has a Calgary connection in the tournament is uh, Anderson Williams, and she's a senior playing for Texas A&M. They're the number eight seed. Last weekend, they played Colorado, and they they won 1-0. Today, or, or this weekend, they played number one Florida State, then they lost 1-0. So they're out of the tournament. So that's it. We're basically at the point right now where, as far as I'm aware, the only teams with real specific Calgary connection left in the tournament right now is Memphis. And
1: and we didn't mention this, but the, the Calgary connection for the University of Maine, that would be, uh, it's Rebecca Grisdale, Emma Schneider, and Victoria Dunge. Uh, Miles Schneider too. Okay, so four, four players on uh, University of Maine from Calgary.
0: Yeah, and actually, I think I've read something that there is another Calgarian who has been recruited to the University of Maine, but I don't actually have all the details on that, and I don't have a name, but I, I know in their recruiting class, they picked up at least one player from the Whitecaps who I believe is from Calgary. So I'll, uh, I'll try and track down the details of that in time for our next episode, but I, I believe that the Calgary contingent next year at University of Maine could be five. I thought it might be fun to do a bit of a recap and a run through of how Calgarians in Europe are are doing right now. So um, maybe we'll just run them down one by one. Do you want to just alternate on this, Scott? We can just go back one one at a time and then we can chat a little bit about them. Does that sound okay?
1: Yeah, sounds good. This is kind of like our version of Canucks Abroad with the Calgary Focus.
0: Yeah, kind of. By the way, those guys do a great job. Hats off to them. Let's start with Gota Natigne because uh, he's someone who has definitely been um, front of mind from a Calgary point of view. The big sale from Cavalry to um, second division club in France, um, Annecy. I did not check actually this most recent match, but up to this point, he hasn't really seen the pitch. If you remember when he was with Cavalry, he was nursing an injury. So my understanding of it is I think he's kind of got to the point where he's healthy enough to play. And I think he sat on the bench a few times, but I, I, as far as I know, he has not hit the pitch as of yet. I'm just
1: checking now, and it doesn't look like he was playing in this most recent game, which was on November 11th against FC Bordeaux. Um, that was a 3-1 loss, and uh, FC NSC is in 15th place in, in Ligue 2 at the moment. Yeah, I don't see Natigny in either the starting 11 or on the sub bench, but... Like you mentioned, he has been injured. I would imagine, like, we know that the transfer fee from Cal- Cavalry was in the realm of $500,000. I think that's what Oliver Platt reported. I-, I don't know if that's a big transfer or not by league De standards, but you'd assume that if they're going to spend that amount on him, they would have him in their plans, if, if not immediately in the-, in the medium term.
0: Like I would think so. I-, I can't profess to know too much about what they need it seems to me that he would be the ideal guy that you could bring off the bench to really bring in some energy and, and uh, make some stuff happen, say, in the last 30 minutes of a match or something like that. So I, maybe that's what we're going to see from him um, in the short term. But
1: Yeah, they're, uh, they've played 14 games. They've only scored 17 goals, so just over one per game. And uh, we know Natigny can be an attacking threat. He's got a lot of pace. He dribbles at his defender. He makes things happen. They're in 15th in a 20-team league, so not in danger of relegation, but they're only three points above 18th. So that would, I believe, in league to be a relegation candidate. So, yeah, they're going to want to pick up their, their performances, and hopefully uh, Gautain and technique can have a bit of a, a role in that. Mm-hmm. So another player we know from Calgary who's playing over in Europe is uh, another former Cavalry guy, Arabin Peppel. He he was signed to Luton Town, who, of course, are in the Premier League now, but I believe he's with Bromley in National League, so 5th mm-hmm. Division. Yeah. Have you been keeping an eye on, on how he's doing there, or is he playing? He, he's played
0: some, but I don't think he's actually opened his account with him yet, as far as I'm aware. So, uh, I can't expect that you know, goals are getting expected from him. I know he has he has been on the pitch a, a bit, but I don't think he's um, he hasn't been much of an impact guy at least at this point. Now I, I know it's Wikipedia,
1: but his Wikipedia says he's played six games for Bromley so far. Not sure if he's been starting those or coming off the bench. It's quite surprised he's still only 20 years old. Hey, he'll turn 21 actually. His birthday's on Christmas Day, so just over a month from now he'll turn 21. He'll be able to get a drink in the U.S. if he so chooses. Looks like Bromley's doing pretty decently. They're in fourth place after 19 matches with uh, 10 wins, six draws and three defeats. I don't know how many get promoted to, uh, to league two, but you are playing 14 league. That's pretty decent.
0: You're, you're showing you're uh, uh, not watching welcome to Wrexham because they went over that in great detail. So what happens in, in the national league is the winner of the league gets automatically promoted. And then, there's a promotion playoff between teams two, three, four, and five. And then the winner of that playoff gets promoted. So there's only two teams go up. It's actually really hard to get out of the National League. I know that uh, documentary, they, they comment some of the officials from the team and they said the National League is the hardest league to get promoted out of. It's even harder than some of the higher leagues because in some of the higher leagues, you know, three, four teams get promoted. But here it's, it's two. So uh, it's not super easy.
1: That's an interesting tidbit. And yeah, I still have to watch Welcome to And I know you've been pushing that on me for a while, and I I, I do want to get around to it at some point.
0: Okay, let's uh, move on and talk about uh, Victor Laturi, another former uh, Cav who is uh, Calgary Roots and, and has played for the men's national team. He's been playing for Ross County in the Scottish Premier League, and he's really been playing pretty well. He's usually starting and I know he scored uh, his first goal of the season here a couple weeks back, I think it was. So he's having a, a pretty solid season for Ross County. So not a lot specific to report. I'm not actually too familiar with how the team has been doing, but but certainly from an individual standpoint, he's a, he's a pretty regular presence on that team. And, and uh, um, he's not exactly uh, on the fringes or anything. He's, uh, I think, part of the core.
1: It's pretty cool to be... Uh, A regular player in in the Scottish Premier League. I just pulled up the league table. Ross County is struggling this season. They're in eleventh place, and there's only twelve teams in the Scottish Premier League, so they're uh, second from bottom. They have a two, four, and six record after twelve games. Uh, Yeah, like you mentioned, Victor Latoury. I saw the I saw that goal on on Twitter. Uh, it looks like he scored off a re- his own rebound. And then in the interview after, he talked about how it took him a year to kind of open his account for, for Ross County. But he is more of like a box-to-box midfield player, central midfielder, rather than like a goal-scoring player. So he's not really on the pitch to score goals, but I think that's going to do a lot for his confidence to have scored his first goal. And another uh, Calgary guy who's playing over in Europe right now is Scott Kennedy, He is with Wolfsberger uh, AC in Austria in the Austrian Bundesliga, and it looks like he's a regular starter.
0: Oh yeah, I think he's been playing pretty much like pretty consistent uh, player there. Yeah, and they're in sixth
1: place, and uh, the Austrian Bundesliga, like the Scottish Premier League, only has twelve teams in their top flight. Basically, middle of the pack with a five five and four record. Um, We know that he just moved there from. Oh, where was he? He was in Germany, right? He was with Jan Regensburg, um, mm-hmm. on the, in the and second then they got division. relegated. Yeah, from the second division. So he was looking around for a new club, and, and he's back in Austria where he's played before. Seems quite comfortable there.
0: And now we're getting to uh, um, one of our former podcast guests, uh, Dominic Zipsur. He's playing in the the Polish first division. He his team's in. 13th place right now and he is basically a regular starter he usually plays the full 90 yeah he's on the co- in the core of that team at this point and i think that when he started there is for calice corona calice i believe is the name of the team uh, corona uh, Kelce i think oh, oh thanks yeah. thanks Scott. he um he was brought in and they were in the relegation zone and i think this year they're they're a bit above that i think they're not they're kind of mid-pack i think I think it's an 18 team first division. So they're a ways away from relegation, but they're they're not exactly uh looking at a championship this year by the looks of things. All
1: right. Yeah. According to his Wikipedia, he's got 31 games, uh, league games for Corona Kelchi. I don't think Wikipedia counts, uh cup games or, or anything like that. But yeah, we knew that he was uh kind of the starting right back for Corona Kelchi. I'm not sure if he's still playing at right back or if he's been back to his uh his former position of center back but I think that he's an important player for them so it's great mm-hmm. to see he's another we have another calgarian playing in in a country in a european country's top flight that used to be you know I think just Sam Atakubi was the only one back in the day
0: yeah because then you'd look back and there were some other pe- uh, players with calgary connections but um you know someone like Kevin McKenna and a couple others but yeah, yeah for right. a while they're- there wasn't yet yeah, Nick Ledgerwood, but for a while there, there was some—not too many. So, I'll briefly mention uh, one other player here, um, and then Scott, you can finish it off. But Dane Domic, who uh, has some Calgary connections, he's been with uh, second division club in Croatia, and I'm sure I'll record it. it's NK Dukapogi. And he really hasn't played. He's on the roster, but he hasn't really played to any degree. So, I don't know the details, but certainly he's he's a Calgarian who has earned himself a contract in Europe but uh, he's not not exactly had much opportunity to hit the pitch at this point right
1: i was thinking where do i know that name from and then i i looked back and he was uh he was with cavalry i believe in 2019 preseason he was he was either trying out the club or was one of the players he never was named to the final roster, but that was how I I was like, man, I I feel like I know that name. Is he a former Dino? Like, where where is he from? But
0: anyway. I'm pretty sure he is a former Dino. Um,
1: And then the last player we kind of had on our Calgarians abroad list is uh, Kanija Elva, former Southwest United guy. He's playing regularly for Rottweiss Erfurt in, in Germany's fourth division. That is actually Graham Fisher's former club. Even though they're, I guess, only in the fourth division at the moment, I believe they're pretty. They're a pretty big club. I think they're the main club in that city, and they get decent crowds. So he's, uh, in the past, I know Kniegel has been... He, he played previously for Wurzberger Kickers, as well as of uh, uh, Bay Stuttgart's reserve team. And uh, he's kind of floated, I think, between the third and fourth divisions in Germany. But he also recently made his... Uh, Men's national team debut for St. Lucia in October. And, and uh, I believe he scored as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And I know you were asking before if that cap ties into St. Lucia. And I, I believe it does.
1: Yeah. Because I thought he'd been involved with Canada's setup for either U 17 or U 20 in the past. But uh, I think if I I believe he's like an attacking midfielder, maybe a winger. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, Canada has a lot of talent in, in his position right now. So maybe he just hasn't been playing at a high enough level in today's Canadian landscape to really be considered a viable option for the men's national team. I mean, if you're competing for playing time with Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David, then you, you know, you have tough sledding ahead of you, but maybe he also, you know, has a lot of St. Lucian pride and always wanted to play for that, that country.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I kind of agree. I think he's, he seems like the kind of player who, if it would have been a decade earlier, he would have, Seem to be a lock to play for for Canada, but with where they're at with their their current depth, I think it, it was a bit of a stretch to think he would figure prominently. And his family does have a lot of Saint Lucia connections. Both his father and his uncle played for the Saint Lucia national team, so uh, he's um, there, there's definitely some history there from from that standpoint. So,
1: and another player with Calgary connections uh, who's recently been called up to a national team is Willie Accio. Cavalry player called up to play once again for South Sudan, uh, who have some World Cup qualifiers this weekend.
0: I think uh, playing these World Cup qualifiers would be pretty interesting. You know, Senegal, a powerhouse on the African scene. So yeah, it's going to be a a pretty cool experience, I'm sure for him.
1: Yeah, I don't know if uh, Sadio Mane is going to play or or Kalidou Koulibaly. But yeah, Senegal is often uh, one of the African teams that qualifies for the World Cup. And they always seem to have a you know, a player or two who's featuring for one of Europe's biggest clubs or or in one of Europe's biggest leagues. So if uh, if Akio plays in tomorrow's game, that will be an awesome experience for him.
0: I think we'll wrap up for this week's episode. Thank you for listening to the YYC Soccer Podcast. You can subscribe to this podcast using all the usual podcasting platforms. Head over to our website at YYC Soccer uh, for more information about how to subscribe or leave a question or comment. And you can follow us on Twitter at while I see Soccer 403. Thanks for listening.